0: This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show. I hope you are very well. A few years ago, I had a new fridge delivered. I don't know if I've talked to you about this in the past, but I'm a big fan of insuring devices. So you can extend the warranty of any number of white goods, fridges, ovens, washing machines. And I've paid about, you know, variously from maybe three, four, five pounds a month, Um, to continue the warranty of things like fridges and washing machines. Uh, Washing machines very often go wrong, partly because it's very hard for the drum. Human nature is such that you always put too many clothes into the drum. You just shove it in there, don't you? And that's a lot of of forces at work. When that spin is happening and you've got a few kilos and you've sort of five, six, seven kilos of clothes wet. I mean, even heavier when they're wet spinning around. That's an engineering challenge for the device. So things like washing machines are subject to wear and tear. Plus things get stuck in the in the washing machine, your safety pins, coins, that kind of stuff. And fluff as well. Fluff is another big one. Just acres and acres of fluff. So it's outrageous, really, what a washing machine has to go through. Uh, dishwasher is the same. You've got an element which can burn out. It gets a buildup of calcium in there. Um, I had problems with a dishwasher once where there was just a buildup of fat. That the, the fat was obviously when you sort of wash, when you wash dishes, there's a certain amount of grease every time and it builds up in the machine. And then the machine wasn't emptying water anymore because there was just this kind of solid block like a brick of white fat lodged into the machine and the guy fixing it had to like remove the whole part it was heavy heavy with solid fat and just replace it with a new one so I've always been a fan of insuring these devices because when you buy them they cost hundreds and hundreds of pounds and the dishwasher I know for a fact I was insuring for about four pounds a month it broke, it couldn't be repaired. And they gave me a new one, which had a value of a thousand pounds. Who the hell's got a thousand pounds for a dishwasher? I didn't know that you could spend a thousand pounds on a dishwasher. But because the previous model had been a high quality, like a good model, it wasn't a thousand quid model by any means. I probably paid about 400 quid for it. But at the time, it was a, a premium, top level dishwasher so I got the equivalent best dishwasher this time round, which was a grand uh, it's a Siemens it's very exciting it has an eco wash and when it's finished it automatically pops the door open so that the steam can escape and the items inside can cool down how good is that it's also got a nighttime mode which means that it will actually wash even more slowly which is really good for the environment I don't know why I'm no expert, as you know, but it's like a four hour cycle. And the reason the, the thinking is that it just doesn't rush anything. It probably recirculates the same water and it's just really slow. But when you're in bed and you're sleeping, who cares? You wake up and you've got clean dishes. I do find dishwashers truly miraculous. Are you familiar with that story, The Elves and the Shoemaker? It's a great one, you know, dig it up and have a read of it. If you've got kids, especially, but you don't need kids to enjoy these classic stories. The elves and the shoemaker. Basically, you've got a shoemaker and it's a lot of work. The shoemaker's under pressure and um, there's an awful lot of repairs that need to be done on a lot of shoes. And like a shoesmith, it's a shoesmith, isn't it? A shoe repair person. And then what starts happening is they go to bed and then these little elves come in. And they just beautifully repair the shoes every night. And then when the owner comes down, the elves have gone and the work is done. The shoes have been beautifully repaired and the shoemaker doesn't know who did it. Um, I won't reveal the ending, A, because I don't want to spoil it for you, and B, because I can't remember it. Uh, But it's just this idea of of having this miraculous help. And that is, for me, what a dishwasher is like. It's just great, isn't it? Dirty, horrible dishes. You wake up in the morning, bing, everything's done. I love it. So my new dishwasher, it's not new anymore, I've had it for a few years, but it has a value of about a £1,000. I'm just salivating at the kind of device I'm going to get next. It's going to be space age, isn't it? So as part of this uh, wonderful, successful history I've had with insured white goods, our fridge packed up and we really liked it because it was exactly the right size for that space. I mean, I say we liked it. My dream fridge is an American fridge with two doors, you know, like the double fridge with an ice machine inside, but we don't have the space for it. So it's never going to happen. But what we do have is a nice big fridge. We've talked in previous shows about getting the ratio right. And unless you are obsessed with frozen food, you've got to have a ratio that favours the fridge over the freezer. And I'd go for... I wonder if this is consistent with what I said on a previous podcast, but just off the top of my head, I'd go for 70-30. 70% fridge, 30% freezer is what I would go for. I could could live with 80-20, but I think that's a bit hard. So I'll go 70-30. I find the fridge great for the freezer. I find it great for bread because then it never goes off and you can just take individual slices out. That's a great hack, isn't it? Just put You buy a sliced loaf, put it straight in the freezer... And then when you need a slice, just take it out individually. If they're stuck together, you can just use a knife and you can crack it off. Crack one off with the knife. Um, Although this is a low carb recommending podcast, so I hope you're not having bread or maybe it's low carb bread. But listen, rules are there to be broken. I also keep frozen fish and frozen meat and frozen peas in there. I don't like frozen broccoli. I don't like frozen Brussels sprouts. I find that they're watery when you cook them, but frozen peas are fine. And the other thing I do, which has changed my life completely, is I buy ice. That's right, I buy ice. It's changed my life. Mrs. Dolan persists with these little devices that you fill up with water and then you freeze, but they spill inside and they create this sort of avalanche of water in there. It's a disaster. I just and then also you get these weedy, pathetic little ice cubes from from the ice tray. I'm not having it. I am not having it. I buy ice. It's about a pound a bag. It's changed my life. Lovely big chunks of ice. Thing of beauty. So that's the closest I have to an ice machine is that there is ice in bags ready to go. Um, I think I've got this obsession with ice because my father ran a popular pub in North London and we had ice machines on site. So I could just go and get ice whenever I wanted. In an ideal world, if I was a billionaire, I would have an ice machine. And I'd actually have a cold cellar as well. And the basement of my dad's pub was a cold cellar That's basically the basement floor was refrigerated. Imagine that just an entire it was was three rooms refrigerated in the summer. We used to just go down there and cool off and everything in there was cold. So if there was a bottle of Coca-Cola in there, you just take it out It's ice cold Coca-Cola in this freezing cold room. Wouldn't it be nice to have a cold room in the house, a refrigerated room? My other dream, as you might know, is a plunge pool or a refrigerated cold bath so that when you get in, it's absolutely freezing and a sauna. These are all the things I want, which I doubt will ever come to fruition. But anyway, we got the fridge stopped working. I don't know why we were happy with it because it was exactly the right size and it fitted into the slot. So it was actually a hassle that it broke. Because fridge technology, I mean, they say it gets better. I don't think it does. I think ever since we got frost free, I think that's that was where it peaked. That's where it plateaued. It's the same with iPhones, you know, when iPhones went HD, when the screen got the retina display, that was that was really that was it. That was the key game changer. Yes, you have faster processors and better cameras and stuff. But I remember the standard definition Screen, very fuzzy. HD, beautiful. Same with TV. I've got a very old HD TV. I will never replace it. You don't need 4K. You don't need to see anything that sharply. And I watch the kind of news and things like that. I don't need to see Donald Trump any more sharply. Sharply, He popped up on the news the other day, and he is looking more and more like the devil incarnate by the day. His face was beetroot red. His hair, strawberry blonde. He cuts quite a unique figure, let me tell you. And I don't think I can handle the Donald in 4K. I think HD is per plenty. Which takes me to my key point of this first part of the show. Which is to live with imperfections. Develop an appetite for things that are a bit rubbish, but that just work. So my TV is not state-of-the-art. It could have a better loudspeaker. It's HD, not 4K. It's fine. It does the job. Let's stop always making things better and having better things. My car, I've got a Prius. It dates back to, well, it was, it was it registered in 2010. We acquired it in 2012. So I've had it for 11 years and it is therefore 13 years old. It's beaten up. It's got gaffer tape holding down the, 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 the back door. Because a close relative of mine sort of snapped it off in a fit of rage for some reason or other. A crazy moment of rage, which now that the gaffer tape exists as a monument to that person's short temper. But I don't mind because who cares? In fact, my car is less attractive now. No one wants to steal it because it's got it's the car is now five percent gaffer tape. It's being held together by adhesive cloth. For God's sakes, who's going to steal that? This Prius, it comes in astral black is the name of it. Don't you love it when they come up with these posh names for because it's black for God's sakes. But according to Toyota, it's astral black. It's a thing of beauty. I love that car. I never want it to die. I never want to sell it. Things don't have to be so great. I actually have been around rich people. They're not happier. And they've got bigger houses. Well, you can only sleep in one bedroom at a time. And they've got corridors and staircases. And it doesn't matter. You need it. You just need a room. I've always thought, have you been to Ikea? You know, that's prefabricated little house they've got in Ikea, which is basically it's just a room, isn't it? There's like a toilet. And there's a sink. And there's a bed, and then there's like a little prefabricated sort of pretend wardrobe behind a curtain. And then you go around the corner, and there's a hob and a kettle and a kitchen with a little TV in it. I mean, it's just this place is like a postage stamp, it's no bigger than a prison cell, but as conceived by the Swedes and Sweden, they're great innovators, you know. Fantastic innovation with the Volvo brand, musical innovation with. ABBA, an interior design innovation with IKEA, who democratized home interiors and made things that were previously posh and expensive, very cheap and available. I love IKEA. And the thing is, people say it's very disposable, but I would make the same argument with cheap shops like in the UK Primark, which is, well, it's only a problem if you throw these things away. But I mean, my home is full of legacy ikea items that i'm never going to get rid of and i'm wearing and continue to wear and always will wear my primark shorts that cost me six quid and yes that's fast fashion and god knows how they were produced but i'm still wearing them and i always will until they break so i think therefore i've counterbalanced and limited any environmental damage i hope so anyway I do you have to put the chips in? Do you mind while I pause and I'm just going to put some chips in the oven. One moment. Okay, so I have put the chips in the oven. Um the idea that this is a low carbohydrate podcast is going very badly. I'm telling you to freeze bread and I'm interrupting the podcast uh to put chips in the oven. Um the big thing with me and low carb is that If you're trying to lose weight, you've got to get those carbs down. Okay, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert, by the way. Consult your doctor at all times when changing your diet. But here's what's worked for me. And here's what I understand the science to be. Insulin is the main fat storage hormone of the body. And when you have carbohydrates, that raises the insulin, which means that you're essentially you eat the carbohydrates, your blood sugar goes up. You get a shot of insulin from the pancreas, which then converts that sugar into fat and when insulin is raised those fat cells are closed they don't open you can't burn body fat when the body enters a low insulin state which is what happens when you don't have carbohydrates and just eat protein and natural healthy fats and green fibrous vegetables the insulin comes down exacerbated by intermittent fasting so just eat in a window of let's say um, six hours so let's say from between midday And six is when you eat or between two and eight. Um, All of that combines to get the insulin down. And when insulin is low, fat cells open and therefore body fat can be used to provide energy. It's a brilliant mechanism. Uh, Look, I'm not an expert. Do your own research. I cannot take responsibility uh, for any consequences of the things I say on the podcast. You've got to say that these days. And it's important because I'm not a medic. But I will say that by doing that, I lost three stone. And more or less kept it off but the big thing is that once you hit your target weight where you are where you want where when you when you are where you want to be thank you um you can bring some carbs back i don't eat sugar but i will be having chips tonight i sometimes have a bit of bread but i never go crazy i never go above 100 grams a day anything below 100 is considered low carb anyway the uh, standard american diet sees many people have three or four hundred grams of carb a day so you know i'll always be a low carber but you can bring some back in but if you feel like you're suddenly put on weight again you get those carbs down so that's why um i'm quite comfortable having a few chips with dinner the kids enjoy it and also i do it in a healthy way so i peel the potatoes cut them up into whatever chip size you like then I parboil them. So that means boiling them just before they're cooked. So they're still a little firm rather than mushy. So they're almost cooked. And then you drizzle them with olive oil and you slam them in the oven for 20 minutes to half an hour. And that's lovely natural chips. I've got no problem with that. So those are sizzling away as we speak. Um. Oh, yeah. So I, I needed um, a new fridge and we looked one up. And actually it was bigger than the fridge we had. So I had to do some carpentry. And this is something that I'll give you a tip about. We had an issue the other day with my mum in that she'd had installed a new dishwasher, but it wasn't opening and closing properly. And that's because some of the woodwork, the kind of actual bench that it was slotted into was too tight and it was holding the door shut, producing friction. And she was quite relaxed about me having a go. I said, look, I might have to get the hammer out and start bashing. Do you mind? And no, she's very relaxed about it. So I took a hammer and I took one of those claw things to like, and I basically sort of snapped off some of the wood around the washing machine and I reinstalled it and it fitted and it looked fine. There was a gap, which there needed to be a gap, but I more or less just hacked off a piece of the wood and mum happy. Great stuff. I did a similar situation with. I created, I did a bit of minor carpentry to accommodate this new taller fridge. And of course, as I was doing this, I was very mindful that that this is a good problem to have because the fridge is bigger. No fridge can be too big, right? The ideal fridge would just be a room, which is a fridge, as I have previously said. Um, so we're getting a big fridge. It's bigger and I'll do a bit of cut. Car- and so I did again, I just snapped some wood off and then bit of sawing and then put some stuff back and a bit of wood glue and a nail here. Very unconventional. Right? I didn't do it properly. Of course not. I don't do things properly. Outside of my hopefully my day job, I try to do. I, I I hope that the thing I do I do properly. I try. Um but everything else, well I'm not a professional. It's not what I do. You know, my job is not to accommodate fridges into kitchen spaces and all the rest of it it's not what i do but like i said to you before when it comes to diy i'll I'll do anything that i technically can do so i can paint a room so i will never pay someone to paint the room i'll paint the room um more or less so i've accommodated this fridge doing a bit of carpentry the fridge arrived and it was damaged Yes, it was. It was damaged. Um, it, It had a couple of bumps on the side. And it had a small scratch on the front. Now, I only discovered this after the lads left who delivered it. Two grown men. Good men. Real men. Men you could trust. Men who have got your back. Just solid characters whose job it is to deliver appliances. Not an easy job there. Hoofing Washing machines up the stairs and God knows what else. Miele washing machines. That's about as heavy as a car. I think they just put lead in them just to make them feel like they're good quality. They're very heavy. You tried Try lifting a Miele washing machine. Next time you're round at a friend's house, they've got any Miele appliances. Just try and lift it. and You'll put your back out. They do have a good thing though, Miele, which is that when you buy one of their products, they're guaranteed to provide parts for 20 years, which I really like. Well done there. So they've delivered it and it's damaged. And I will tell you that nine out of 10 people would complain. They'd kick up a fuss. They'd be furious. um, They'd be very, very dramatic about it. But I just thought to myself, well, wait a minute. The dents on the side will never be seen because the fridge goes into this sort of wooden it's a kind of pre unit so that the fridge just slides into this unit it's like a fitted kitchen right so there'll be bumps there but you'll never see them so who cares about bumps that can't be seen little scratch on the front and i'm thinking am i going to throw away or like get them to take away and then bring a new uh yeah, I waited, probably waited like a week for this device. They brought it in. Now I've got to wait another week for a little scratch. And it occurred to me that on the fridge, we tend to put things on the fridge anyway, like a little calendar, photographs of the family. Stuff always goes onto the fridge. And even if it didn't, who's noticing that, that little scratch? You get this sometimes when, when a loved one is going out and they say, oh no, I've got this stain on my trousers. I've got this mark on my shirt. Or this loose thread on my tights. But you only see these things if you're looking out for them. No one, when you're at a party, no one inspects your clothes looking for imperfections. They just don't. So accept him in, in, imperfections. But live with them. Embrace them. Because it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was... When I was getting my motorbike service many years ago, this very upstanding young gentleman um, who would just bought a bike from he wasn't your normal biker. He was new to mopedding and he came in very upset. He had a brand new bike. It had the tiniest scratch on it. And he said to the uh, the garage owner, hi, I've just bought this bike and I've just I've just got it a tiny bit of a scratch on there. And the. Garage owner said, you know what? You're in London. It's not going to it's never going to stay pristine. Don't worry about it. And he said, no, it's really going to it's really going to bug me this scratch. So this guy commissioned a respray of the bike. And the problem is, if you respray, if you're going to touch up that paintwork, you've got to do the whole thing. So the whole thing resprayed. I'd love to know what he paid, but it would have been several hundred pounds, and a lot of work and effort. But he Went to that trouble of re-spraying his motorbike for a little scratch. And by the way, that bike now is probably in ribbons. It's probably been subject to a controlled explosion by local gangsters, right? You can't own anything nice in London. It's going to get bashed up and beaten up. Welcome that first scratch. That was a gift. That liberated you. That was your passport out of this ridiculous perfectionist mentality. So I was just very gratified at the closure I had with the fact that the fridge has arrived beaten up and damaged. And I don't care. I did call them and I just thought I'd let them know. I said, look, I I just want to inform you that the fridge arrived damaged. And the reason why is I want to make the world a better place. And I think that it's good for everyone involved to know that the, you know, the, these white goods have somehow had a rough ride. Um, I said, it was nothing to do with these lads um, that delivered it. They seem to have done a really good job. they were really friendly. It was only when it unpacked it, took off all the packaging. So it seems like the damage predated the delivery. And they said, yeah, thanks for letting us know. And it's not a problem. We don't, um, doesn't sound like it's an issue for the drivers, but we will take note of the fact that the uh, fridge was, was uh, damaged. Um, are you okay to still have the fridge? And I said, yeah, it's fine. And I told them that, you know, about how the fridge is accommodated and pictures of your auntie Mildred on, on on the fridge, cover up scratches. No one's looking for scratches anyway. Brilliant. And they said, great, great, great stuff. I said, as a courtesy though, we'd like to offer you a 10% discount for your trouble. I said, I beg your pardon. So they sent me a discount of 10%. I wasn't looking for that. I wasn't fishing for that. I'd accepted the bumps. So it's a very happy story. But at the heart of it was about Working with imperfections. It will change your life. Now. How long have we been going? 24 minutes. I'm going to power through. A wonderful book that I've read on your behalf. By somebody called Eckhart Tolle. And it is called The Power of Now. Um. There's somebody knocking on the door. How annoying is that? They've probably got a fridge for me. Give me a second. It's all kicked off today, hasn't it? Okay, so um, let's talk about this fabulous book. The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. No idea how to pronounce either of his names. I think Tolle is T-O-L-L-E. It could be Toller could be toll, Eckhart Tolle, but if you google The Power of Now, it's a very popular self-help book and the clue is in the title in terms of what it means and what it's about. Um, And so here goes, Um, the book says many of us spend our time either trapped in the regret-filled past or anxious about a future we cannot control. So most of us are either looking back on the past with nostalgia. Oh, remember when we were in a happy marriage? Or remember when I was young and didn't have any lines on my face and lots of energy? So you've either got that nostalgia, which is kind of unhelpful because it's very negative about where you currently are. Um, Or you're thinking about, you know, my childhood and my dad was horrible to me. And I went for that job and I didn't get it. And... Oh, how better my life would be if those things in the past hadn't happened. So you're stuck in the past. Full of regrets or. And or, and it's normally both. You're obsessed with what could happen and what may happen. So things are really difficult at work and maybe I'm going to get fired and then maybe I can't find another job. And then maybe I will not be able to pay my rent and then I'll be homeless and then I will die which is called catastrophizing. So do you see how unsatisfactory it is that so much of our time is taken up with thinking about the past, which is beyond our control and worrying about the future? Uh, It's also unhelpful if you're living a lot in the future. Uh, You can fall into the only fools and horses trap. The classic British comedy series in which an entrepreneur called Derek Trotter, Always says to his brother, don't worry, Rodney, this time next year, we'll be millionaires. And he's living on the sort of the false hope of what may come. None of this is helpful. We're not in the future and we're not in the past. We are in the now. So by focusing only on the present, says Tolly, and ignoring the past or future, you can improve your life. He says that we neglect, right? Obsessed with what's happened, obsessed with what's going to happen, and we neglect the one moment that's fully available to us, actually available right now, and it is now. Only the present's important because nothing ever occurs in the past or the future. Things happen only in a continuous stream of present moments. So whenever you feel something, that feeling is experienced in the present because your senses can only give you information about the moment that you're in. So when we say that something happened in the past, that's not quite true. It happened in a single present moment. So the now is the only show in town. So even when you think about the past, they were just now moments that have gone and the future is now moments that are yet to come. So there are no advantages, says Tolle, of worrying about the future or dwelling in the past. Many advantages to living in the now. If you manage to live in the now, you'll experience no major problems, just small ones that can be dealt with as they arise. Because the problems you actually have right now in this moment are never as big as the unemployment that you're going to suffer or the terrible, dreadful childhood that you've been through or the awful work experience or the dreadful... Relationship that you were in. Um, So, therefore, he takes as an example let's say you've got a challenging task, like you've got to write a scientific paper. It often seems too large and complicated to be achievable. If you're anxious about the work that's remaining, right, you're worried about the future of this work, the amount of work that lies ahead, or you regret missed opportunities to work on it beforehand you're going to get nowhere. You're in a, you're in a bad place. If you solve one little problem after another, gathering the data, developing a structure, writing the first chapter, you will accomplish it more clearly. So with any enormous tasks, if you just deal with now, the work you have now is always not very much because you can only do a certain amount now, can't you? You can only take individual baby steps if you do it now, whereas the future is an unlimited amount of work. And that's overwhelming and that's why people don't do it. And that's the essence of procrastination. So if you've got a task that's hanging over you, drag yourself kicking and streaming into the present. And just think, right, what can I do this very second? Remember, we've got some inspiration from that with an idea that I've shared with you. My own idea from a previous podcast, which is give it three seconds. Any task you don't fancy, just start for three seconds. Just begin. And bang, that is the most difficult bit, is the starting. But another way to overcome a challenge you don't want to do is to zoom yourself into the present. Also in the book, he says pain is nothing more than a self-created inner resistance to external things that you cannot control. Right? Pain is manufactured by you in relation to things that aren't in your control. So if you already acknowledge and make a list of the things you've got no control over, Well, that will get rid of any of that related pain. Okay, so I might have some pain that I love my career, but maybe there's more that I want from my career that is not currently there. I mean, I'm not sure there are many people that don't think that. Right. So that's a valid emotion. But if I dwell on what could be and what should be and what might have been, well, that's pain. But the thing is, I've got no control over that. So therefore, There should be zero pain. You experience pain when you're unsatisfied with how things are, yet don't feel powerful enough to change them. You experience pain when you're unsatisfied with how things are, and yet you don't feel powerful enough to change them. This manifests, says Tolle, as a negative feeling. Because you think so much about the past and the future, all human beings are programmed to think in the past and the future. It's probably some kind of survival mechanism. And because you can only live in the present, you have no means to change many things that you're unhappy about. So you're worried about the past and present, but you can only change things in the now, which is a lot less than the stuff that's making you sad. So it says here that you develop an inner resistance to the way things are, which come out as pain. So do you realise how much pain you don't need to have because it's not your fault, it's out of your hands, there's nothing you can do about it. So the pain should just go. Go through every aspect of your life, things you're not happy with, things that cause you pain and identify, are they within your control? And if they're not, let's say you've got the boss from hell and there's a lot of pain there but you cannot get another job at the moment. you tried. There are no other available jobs. You're very happy to have a job, but you've got the boss from hell. The alternative is no job and financial death, right? At that point, the pain of your terrible boss is negated. It's disappeared. because like, I've got a terrible boss and there is literally nothing I can do about it. The pain is gone. Another aspect of self-created pain, which is most pain, is the pain body. A part of the self that needs you to feel pain so it can survive. Right now, this is the sort of mentality, that negative voice in your head who craves bad news and then says, I told you so. It's the same voice in your head that says you're not good enough. You're not clever enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not popular enough. Since the pain body, right, this is it's, it's this little creature called a pain body, which is composed of all your painful experiences. It grows and strengthens whenever you experience pain. So it's a sort of negative narrative that you're foisting upon yourselves. Let me just switch on that little. I'm going to improve the sound on the. See, I can do this in the now. I I could have fixed the sound for the video before, but that was in the past. That's out of my hands. So I'm not going to be cross about it, but I can fix it now. So let's just turn on. There you go, YouTube viewers and listeners. You're going to get better audio now. Thank you. You're welcome. Right. Since the pain body, which is basically the history of pain in your soul, is composed of your painful experiences, it grows and strengthens whenever you experience pain. So therefore, it will try to make you miserable and sad. It wants the material. That's what it exists for. And you'll know people who go around with just a very negative self-opinion. A narrative around themselves, which is just doom and gloom. You'll have a friend that's just always unlucky in love, that's always broke. That's always fat, that's always in pain, that's always single, that's always unpopular, that's never invited to parties, right? That is the pain body, which is this rather unwelcome creature composed of your painful experiences, The cycle can continue for a very long time, says Tolle, until finally the pain becomes an essential part of you. You've fully identified with your pain body. It's part of your identity. It defines you. And this is a big problem because pain will by then be such an important part of your life. You'll be afraid to let it go because in doing so would put your very own identity at risk. But we're going to dismantle it. And the way that we're going to do that is we're going to live in the now. And we are going to think to ourselves all the things that we're sad about. A lot of them are in the past or in the future. And it will massively, massively shrink the size of that pain body. Because the truth is, you don't need a narrative that you're always unlucky in love because you perhaps always have been. But if you live in the now and focus on relationships in real time and are caring and attentive and say, I love you and be on time and be reliable and. Think about their feelings and needs, right? If you do all that in the now, well, then that idea that you'll be unlucky in love, well, it's going to disappear because I think you'll agree. Those set of characteristics of a partner are very attractive. If you can do all those things that I've just listed, you're not going to be single, are you? Because who wouldn't like to be with someone that's caring and attentive and thinking about the other person's feelings, all of which is achieved in the now. So the now allows you to completely reinvent yourself. And to more or less slay that very negative demon that's inside you. Now, we move on to the ego. And the ego is the part of your mind, Tolle says, that stops you from being happy. Have you ever wondered why some people seem to sabotage themselves? Although nobody wants to be miserable, many people are unhappy. The culprit, like the guy, let's call him Steve, who's always unlucky in love Always broke and always ill and always fat. The culprit is the ego, a part of your mind that controls your thoughts and behavior without you noticing. Since it cannot easily be observed, most people don't know the extent to which the ego controls their life. For example, if you later reflect on a dispute you had with someone, you may notice and regret that you overreacted. Yeah, in the thick of that dispute, right? Let's say you yelled at someone. I, I, I yelled at my um, son earlier for ringing the doorbell when I was doing this podcast. I just like, you know, yelled, not outrageously, but I'm like, why haven't you got your keys? And I didn't realise that there was anything at play there. But of course, the ego was in full control. And seconds later, I realised I'd overreacted And I said, apologies, it's not your fault. There was a reason why he didn't have keys. And he was um, actually coming back when I asked him to come back. So there was literally no reason for him to be yelled at. But in the thick of that dispute, I wasn't aware of anything influencing or controlling my thinking or behaviour. But of course, there was something at play. So why does the ego do this? It depends on your misery for its continued existence. So it obstructs happiness at every turn, acting against your own best interest in getting, including getting you to yell at your son. The ego leads you into situations of conflict with others and makes you unhappy with your current situation so that it can gain control over your behavior and thinking. So what do we do about this? If you want a richer and almost painless life, Tolle says, separate yourself from your mind and focus on your body. Why? Because the mind is responsible for your pain. It produces pain by bringing up memories of the past or by planning for the future occupying your entire life with regretful memories and anxiety ridden future scenarios in doing so it prevents you from living in the present the result is that since you can't alter the past or the future you constantly worry about things that you can't possibly change that leads to pain right that gives the pain body some real ammunition and it feeds the ego and the ego is not you so to separate yourself from your mind. You've got to be completely, fully conscious of it and the power it has over you. Otherwise, you'll never understand the countless small and subtle ways that it influences your thinking and behavior and therefore your happiness. I'll give you an example. Do you remember in last week's show, a lady offered to let me babysit her dog and I panicked because I didn't want to offend her. And I said, my wife is allergic to dogs. It wasn't true. I panicked. That was the ego in Overdrive. I should have said, thanks for the offer. I'm not sure we'll take you up on it, but I appreciate it anyway. So if you want to observe your mind, here's a really good hack to actually stop that ego in full flow. Think to yourself, if you want to observe your mind, right, literally just you're in the middle of a situation. Maybe you're at work, you're in a tense meeting. Ask yourself, what will my next thought be? What will my next thought be? If you focus fully on that question... You'll see that it takes a while before the next clear thought arrives. Through observing, you've managed to create a gap in the flow of thinking. So if you're in a tricky situation, just close your eyes and think, what will my next thought be? And it will slow it right down. You've created a gap in the flow of thinking. You're in trouble. You just think, what will my next thought be? If you do that often enough, you'll start to notice how much you're normally occupied by the continuous flow of the mind And you'll have found the primary tool for interrupting your mind and thus separating from it. Not bad, eh? The second method available for separating your mind from your body is to observe your mind without judging. So if in the middle of your work you feel like running, follow that impulse. Your body knows what's good for it. You go outside and you run. Maybe you just need some fresh air then listen to the little nagging voice in your head that says right now you should be working and not running or wasting time but don't judge that voice as good or bad and make no attempt to be influenced by that advice just smile at it accept that it exists and by doing so you'll learn to notice your mind without having to follow it to wherever it's trying to lead you this is very similar to the chimp paradox now there's a whole podcast about the chimp paradox on this show quite a few podcasts ago so do give it a listen i love these self-help books which are consistent so what i mean by that is that the power of now is a different book to the chimp paradox which is one of my favorite self-help books but actually the message of both books is the same the methodology is a little different but sorry i've contradicted myself there. yeah the message is the same the methodology different yeah that's exactly what it is um they don't contradict each other so when you think about the ego and the pain body, that's very similar to the little chimp in the chimp paradox who's egging you on to do naughty and self-destructive things. So acknowledge there are two things there. you're in trouble. Just think, what will my next thought be? And just get rid of that moth. Moths are a, I mean, they are a pest, aren't they? Because they eat the nicest knitwear, and they go for cashmere before wool. But I've had moths so greedy that they'll eat fine cotton. How bad is that? Right. So you're going to think, what will my next thought be? And you're going to listen to and acknowledge these negative thoughts from the ego, unhelpful thoughts, unwelcome thoughts. And you're going to smile acknowledge them you're not going to judge them as good or bad and you're going to ignore and you're going to get on with your life and actually if the ego offers you an idea that you think's good well then you take it and any unwelcome ideas you can just smile and say thanks but no thanks try to exist in a state of permanent alertness is next while you get better at separating yourself from your mind you can try adopting another technique which is active waiting. This is a special kind of waiting state, like when you're aware that something important or serious could happen at any moment. In such a state, all of your attention is focused on the now. When you get into a state of active waiting, there's no time for the daydreaming, planning or remembering that usually distracts us from the present. For example, while taking an exam, waste no time worrying about the results or the revision you should have done you stay very present, pay close attention to the work before you. Entering a state of active waiting shortly before and during the exam can help you to achieve a good performance. Whilst in this state, you also pay attention to your body because it has to be ready for anything to occur. This focus on the body is crucial to living in the present. So you're in a meeting, it's high pressure. And you're just listening to what everyone says. And you are live. You're not pre-recorded. You're not daydreaming. You're not somewhere else. You are in the moment. So you're, you're in the now times 100. Okay. You're in the now brackets on steroids, on caffeine. Okay. This is living in the now plus a double espresso. The non-present person's ego reacts now this is a different part of the book uh, which talks about how to get on with other people who are not living in the now because most people are not living in the now by the way most successful people the really successful people people are happy fulfilled wealthy productive as a general rule they live in the now why because they're productive they get things done and what is the Of somebody who gets things done while they're living in the now. They're getting things done now, aren't they? They're not planning on future work or regretting previous work. They just get it done. They just churn it out. How many times have I said to you on this podcast, churn it out, baby, just churn it out. Elton John, always, always room for an Elton John anecdote. He doesn't think about the songs of the past. He moves on. He doesn't listen to like candle in the wind and your song He doesn't sit around listening to his glories of the past, which is why. He's written so many songs and had such longevity in his career because it's you know, he's he's in the now. He's like, okay, that was then, but this is now, and I'm gonna write a song now, and it'll be great. And it won't be candle in the wind, it'll be some new thing that I've never heard before. And he constantly and he doesn't do the future. He's not like, I'll write an album when I'm in the mood. I mean, that's the big thing with procrastination. I'll wait till I'm ready. Well, if you're in the now, you're always ready. Now is ready. If it's now, you're ready. (laughs) Unless you're dead, now is it. Remember, I also, another thing I always say, come back to these things. Do something rubbish today, not something great tomorrow. Do bad work. Give it three seconds. Now, now, now. So it talks about the people around you. The non-present person's ego reacts by creating further problems They'll insult you, debating a trivial issue to disrupt the peace or referring to past incidents. Um, I remember when I, I told an old flatmate, I, I was really lazy at university and I said, oh, I'm going to become a super fitness fanatic and I'm going to do long. I'm going to go running every other day and I'm just going to become super fit. And I was in the now there because I, was, I had my running shoes on and running was my plan and that was in the moment and at that moment my friend just said yeah good luck with that you know i'll 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 wait till i see it i won't hold my breath negative thoughts attacking this narrative that somehow i'm lazy and unfit and that's my lot in life but i decided to change the script and the only moment that you can do that is in the present You cannot change anything anything in the future cannot change anything in the past So don't be pulled down by other people. Just hold the line living in the present because it will still improve your relationships. And maybe you can guide others once you've got the hang of this. It is a habit, by the way. It's definitely a habit. So I want you to spend the next seven days trying to live in the now every moment. And see how that works for you. And I think you'll find you get a lot more done. Because nothing is in the future. It really does kill procrastination. Saying I'll do that tax return later is just... It's not happening. By being present, you will be able to avoid most of the pain in your life. How about that? Most of the pain? Will you take that? If you could press a button and get rid of most of the pain in your life, would you press that button? If there was a pill? Well, I'm giving it to you. It's living in the now. Furthermore, living in the present does not mean ignoring or suppressing pain. Because not all pain will go. Instead, um, living in the now provides you with the inner strength to accept difficult and painful facts of life. So there are some things that are painful. And they're just there. And, you know, a loved one has died. There's been a career setback. You're not feeling well. It's it's there and it cannot be deleted and there are no hacks. My advice there would be just to live with it, breathe it in, feel it. It's just like the weather and it's raining and it's grey in your heart, but it will then become sunny. When you experience something traumatic, says Tolle, which causes you real pain, you can just accept it for what it is. Well, there you go. That's just what I've said, isn't it? For example, if you lose a beloved one to death, you will mourn and feel sadness. But if you're able to accept this as something that simply is and cannot be changed, then you will avoid needless extra suffering. Being sad is a natural feeling, something you don't need to feel guilty or ashamed about. Things are as they are. Accepting this means you do not waste your time wishing that things were different. I mean, death. You have to accept death, don't you? Uh, Remember Michael J. Fox, brilliant actor, severe Parkinson's disease, awful illness. And he said he achieves happiness with maximum acceptance and minimum expectation. Living in the now can bring new forms of strength and determination because you don't waste your inner resources creating problems. In fact, by living in the present, you see no problems, only individual manageable situations that you can solve one by one. This makes you much more effective. That's exactly right. So if you need to do that tax return and you're living in the now, then you will just collect that tax return. You'll be working your way through it. So you don't have this abstract problem of the tax return that hasn't been done. The abstract problem of your accountant getting cross with you, the abstract problem of the revenue services coming after you because you haven't done your tax return. None of that. It's in your possession and you're quietly grinding it out. So living in the present means you see no problems, only individual manageable solutions that you can solve one by one, one by one, step by step this makes you much more effective living in and accepting the present does not mean you commit to a passive life or that you choose not to even try to change it for the better rather by focusing on the present and keeping the past and future in their place you're more able to see clearly whatever it is that actually is wrong at any given moment you'll also have the strength to change those things for the better because you're going along, you're problem solving as you go along, you're fixing, fixing, fixing and you live in the now. And if you're living in the now, that tax return got done, which actually unlocked a lot of potential problems if it hadn't been done. It's magic. It actually, I mean, I'm going beyond Tole here, but it sucks problems out of the future. There are, there are these problems sitting in the future that you just actually vacuum away if you live in the present. So there you go. Um, That is, that's it. That is, those are the key elements of Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. If you enjoyed my summation of the book, I highly recommend that you buy it because there's lots more in the book. He's a very wise and clever man and I love it. So there you go. You've got your key message in the book. Don't focus on the past and the future. Live in the present. Separate yourself from the overthinking mind. Following this method will reduce your suffering and improve your life. Focus on the present. Ignore the past. A part of you needs pain to survive and it creates most of the pain that you experience. That's the pain body. Why don't you deprive and starve that pain body by living in the present and eliminating the things that are out of your control from the past or the future? And that is it. It's beautiful, isn't it? I hope so. I hope you enjoyed that book as much as i did and it's a lot to take in and i've read the book a couple of times just to process all of that material so maybe you want to listen to this that part of this podcast a couple of times maybe even take notes as i talk and then go and enjoy the whole book um that brings us to the end of the show it's been wonderful to have your company Um, Do tell your friends, please subscribe if you watch this on YouTube and please also uh, uh, automatically subscribe on the podcast platform that you use, because that means that new episodes will download automatically, which is marvellous. And what else did I want to say? Oh, yes. Please give us an honest review because it helps people to know more about the podcast and find out what we do. Um, That was the show. It's been lovely to have your company from memory. I think that was episode 53. uh, 33. I haven't done that many. It feels like 53. 33. Um, I'm loving the support you give this show. I do enjoy being with you every week and I look forward to the next one. Have a great seven days. and Go live in the now. Now. Bye bye.